Amen. Well, this morning I want to share a word that I've entitled, Be Encouraged. It is similar to, well, not similar, but I know um, Pastor Nicholas shared a word last week about how getting through difficult times. As I said, we're in a, we're in a very challenging season. I'm assuming no putting the news on, we can see the war in Ukraine and see what's happening. Um, and it's not just in Ukraine, by the way. In other parts of the world, there are wars taking place, but the news doesn't always communicate those things. But there are always challenges and battles that we face in life that we have to address one way or another. But I'm entitled to this word, be encouraged, because at times we need to receive encouragement from God's word. We need to recognize that there is comfort in God's word, that there are things in God's word that you, that you can look at and look at your situation and find comfort. Because regardless of what's happening out there, we know that God will work it out and make a way for us. Amen? I want to remind us, our vision for, for us as a church, um, for those of you that don't know, is being ready for the Lord's return. And as we go through life, things will come up that at times will dislodge us from being ready. But I want to remind you again of God's word. I remind you that in any situation that we face, as we look to God and we look to him for his direction and guidance, that he will ensure that when he comes, that we are ready for his return. Amen? Now, personally for me, this year has is, is been a very difficult one. I started the year. I lost my mom, as many of you know. And sometimes people ask me, you know, how am I, you know, did I expect my mom to pass? Obviously, I didn't. It was, it was an unexpected situation, you know. Um, but unfortunately, at times in life, you get situations where things come unexpectedly. And when they do, you have to ask the Lord to help you to deal with such a situation, you know. There are things at times that you are kind of fearful of in your life that you're thinking, I hope this never happens to me. Some things are inevitable. Losing a loved one is going to happen, whether you like it or not. Being told by the doctor some, some unwanted news is something that not everybody will hear. But these are things that sometimes we fear that we may, may we hear or receive such a thing. You know, recently we, in this country, we um, experienced another one of these storms that they give a, a funny name to. I think the, the recent one was, was it Erica or something? No, they give these, Eunice, thank you. They give these storms all these names, but I think based on the scientists who found out the, the storm. Storm Eunice. I think everybody in the country was affected by it one way or another. But it's interesting that each place that the storm went to, the results or the end product of the, of the storm were different. In some places, trees fell. Constructions or whatever fell down, collapsed, etc. In other places, it was as though there was no storm. But it was the same storm, the same miles per hour that the storm went or whatever. And sometimes you think, why was it in one place, you know, there was destruction, another place, there wasn't. And a lot of the time, the reason why is because of the foundation of the particular thing. We know trees are strong. They have roots that go down into the ground. Different buildings have a different level of, of, of strength because of their foundation. But it's the foundation, really, that causes that uh, 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 building or that tree uh, to stay in place, whether the foundation is strong or not. And there's a strip scripture in Matthew chapter 7 that talks about 
life challenges. And it mentions life challenges in terms of the rain and the floods and the wind. And that when they come, that is the foundation that you have in your relationship with God that determines how you stand. And I'll read that scripture, Matthew chapter 7, verse 27 to 24, sorry, it's 27. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on it, on that house. Yet it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them would be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and built on that house. And, sorry, and beat on that house and it fell and great was that fall. See, your foundation in Jesus is like your natural spine. We all have a spine here, do we not? And the spine keeps you up, keeps your body together. Like, can you imagine if your spine either wasn't working or you had no spine? Your whole body would be impacted. Your ability to walk would be impacted. Your ability to just do the things that are, you, you think are normal, going to the toilet, just going from, walking from A to B. Without a spine, you would be struggling. But see, your spine is your foundation. And your relationship with God acts as that spine. That is your foundation. It's what keeps us going. It keeps us in shape, keeps us up. And see, sometimes... Let me, let me backtrack. I mentioned before that there are different challenges that different ones are facing. Right now, I don't know what you're challenging. I don't know what you're facing. In fact, you may not be facing anything right now per se. But guaranteed, God of life, there are things coming around the corner that will cause you to either be battling with elements of depression or feeling anxious, being fearful, being down or discouraged about something or another. See, when we're in that particular space and things are like that are happening to us, at times the last thing that you want to do is come to church. The last thing you want to do at times even pray or speak to God because you are going through this situation. In fact, what tends to happen is that when you're in that space, that what you tend to do, people, is to isolate themselves and speak really to themselves. So you start, start to speak to yourself about the situation. Why am I in this situation? I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And then at times you begin to add different things. Maybe somebody said something to you years ago that was negative. And now you begin to believe that thing. Hey, maybe what so-and-so said is true. That actually, you know, I don't, I don't really have the capability to do X, Y, Z. And this is how the enemy works. Begins to whisper different things in your head in order to get you to, to build on that feeling of being down or depressed or discouraged, etc. You know, I was listening to a message from uh, um, a pastor about a week or so ago, and he mentioned some things I want to share with you with regards to our battles and our struggles that we face. And I think it's very relevant to to what many of us are either going through or may go through going forward. But he mentioned two key things that um, discourage us as Christians in our walk with God. Number one, he said, was unanswered prayer. 
unanswered prayer. This is where you are sown in prayer. Not like you just say, Lord, can you do this? And it doesn't happen. Where you have taken time out to pray, Lord, I'm believing you for X, Y, Z. And you've been believing him for X, Y, Z. And nothing has happened. You've attended meeting, you stood in his word, etc. And you still haven't received an answer. Unanswered prayer. Number two, the second reason why um, Christians that we, begin, we get discouraged is also because of unfruitfulness. Where we are believing to see results in our lives in a certain area, and for whatever reason, it hasn't happened. It could be that at a certain age, you're believing to have done certain things. You believe that maybe the certain salary should be in your account by a certain age, etc. Different things at different stages in life that you feel that you should have at this time or at a certain time, and it hasn't happened. Then he went on to explain the ways that the enemy attacks and the two things that the enemy uses. So where, he would, he, where we are discouraged by either unanswered prayer or unfruitfulness, there are two things that the enemy will use to attack you in these areas. Number one is that he will attack your confidence in God and the integrity of his word. I remember there's a friend of mine who I've known since I was probably like early 20s, teen, teens or so. And this guy, <clears throat> around that time, we were both kind of, you know, trying to build our relationship with God and different things. He went into music, did different things and was quite successful. But he had some experiences that really attacked his confidence in God to such an extent that he decided that he didn't want to serve God anymore, didn't want to know Jesus anymore. And I bumped into him a couple of years back, and I spoke to him and asked him how he was. And um, it was a total contrast to how he was before, because now he, te he was telling me reasons as to why I shouldn't believe in Jesus. This is somebody that I went to church with, somebody that, um, you know, we were, we were close in that way. But he was telling me, giving me, giving me chapter and verse as to why I shouldn't believe in Jesus anymore. And the simple reason is because his confidence in God and the integrity of God's word that he used to read and quote, etc., was lost because of the things that he went through. And unfortunately, knowing elements of his story, because he was in a position where he wasn't really allowing people to come in and to speak into his situation, and he was more listening to himself, He's in a position now where he has no interest in Jesus. In fact, he's anti-Jesus to the extent he would tell people, this is why you shouldn't know Jesus. And even when we were discussing, he said to me at one point, he said, what has Jesus done for me? He's not done anything for me. So why, why, why should I even? So that's how the enemy can attack. Your confidence in God and the integrity of his word. Confidence and integrity, these, these are huge factors in how you relate to people. If you lose confidence in somebody, it's going to affect how you relate to them. Can you imagine those of us who are parents or those of us who, you know, are responsible for children? If your child or the children that you're responsible for has no confidence in you as a person, see how they relate to you. I remember when I was in school and uh, we had a supply teacher. 
even happens now. When the supply teacher comes in, at times you think, hey, I can, I can play around, I can muck around. Because you don't have any relationship with them, you just can just do anything in your mind. Because you don't have any confidence in them because you don't know them. And it's a similar thing when it comes to, to how we relate to God at times. Dependent on how we believe and hope in his word. Psalms 37.25 says this. It says, I have been young and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous abandoned or his descendants pleading for bread. You know, there are some people that read this scripture. And right now, they are being forsaken. Things are not working out for them. It, said, it says in the scripture that I've not seen uh, the righteous forsaken. I've not seen my descendants pleading for bread. Right now, they don't even have any bread to eat. Yet this scripture is this scripture. So you can read this at times, think, God, your word is saying this, but my situation isn't connecting with your word. So what is happening here? So if you are praying and your prayers are not answered, remember the enemy will attack your ability to have any confidence in God. But remember the song that we sang, that God will work it out. In any situation, he will work it out. Maybe not the way you want it to, but in a way that he knows that is perfect, he will work it out for us. The second reason and the way that the enemy attacks us is that he will attack us Well, the goal in which he attacks is, is, is that in, in every attack, he wants to introduce an element of fear. Fear is something, and I've mentioned this before, that is one of the enemy's ways of really trapping us in the situation that we face. And again, this man of God, when he spoke about this, he went into detail about how the spirit of fear works. The spirit of fear is a destructive spirit. It brings... It causes havoc in any situation. In fact, he said that every spirit of the enemy, when the enemy assigns different spirits of depression or, or anger or, or um, anxiety, etc., he said that the spirit of fear waits, the other spirits wait in line for the spirit of fear to cause havoc first. That's how powerful the spirit of fear is. The Bible said not giving us the spirit of fear, but a power love and a sound mind. The Bible specifies about the spirit of fear because of the impact that the spirit of fear has on us. There's so many elements of fear. Fear of what? Fear of the unknown. The doctor gives you some news about something and you're wondering, okay, how, am I, how is this going to happen with my life? And at times that fear is more powerful than the issue that the doctor says. Many times somebody will be given news from the doctor. But then after a period of time, the situation has worsened. Not by the, situa not by the news that they receive, but because of the anxiety that they receive from thinking about that, that news. Fear of the unknown. Then you have fear responsibility. Some of us, maybe you've been promoted. You're in a new job. You start a new business. But the fear of that position cripples you from making progress. Fear of responsibility. Then it's fear of the future. I mean, these, these are just a few things that I mentioned that all of us know. 
fear the future. Now, normally when it's New Year's, sometimes I, when we have our watch night service and we're going into the new year, there are many people that naturally that they're, you know, they're looking forward to the new year, etc. But then you have some that they're anxious because they're thinking, what is going to happen? What's going to happen next year? Fear of the future. Then you have the fear of man, which is a common but unspoken thing that different ones have. And this is not a, 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 a healthy fear. It's an unhealthy fear of man. Where you, you relate to somebody not because you are responding to them out of love, but because of the fear that you have for the person. You relate to them in that way, and it means that it cripples, again, your relationship that you have with the person. There's a song that, that we sung before in service that says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. None of us need to be a slave to fear in any way, shape, or form. But before I move on, I want us to stand and I want us to address this area of fear. And I want you to stand where you are right now. And as I'm speaking, and those online as well, you can do the same. If you're not able to stand online, that's fine. But I want us right now just to think of any situation in your life where you know fear has been an issue. Fear, I mentioned fear of, of man, fear of the future, fear of, of the unknown. Those are different examples. But where you know that fear has played any type of role in your life in any way, shape, or form, right now, I want you to just renounce that fear, command that fear to go. So just for one minute, where you are right now, just begin to pray and command any element of fear that has been in your life right, to go. Right now, let's begin to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand on behalf of each other. We stand on behalf of your children, and we pray and we decree every spirit of fear that has been plaguing your children. We command you to go in the name of Jesus. We break every fear. We break every aspect of fear in the lives of your children. In the name of Jesus. Speak out and begin to pray yourselves. Speak to every fear and command it to go in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord God, that Lord, that you've given us power and authority over every scheme of the enemy and that nothing but your enemies harm us. So, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Let fear be gone. Let fear be gone from the lives of your children. We thank you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may take your seats. Amen. As I said, be encouraged. That's the, that's the title of this word. You know, God has gone ahead of every single one of us. In every situation that we face, God has gone ahead of us. Amen. And he's encouraging us to keep our eyes on him, to focus on him. It's difficult that when you're going through things, the easiest thing to do is to look at your situation and feel down. But God wants us to put our trust in him, to understand that he has gone ahead uh, he will make a way in every situation that we face. Amen. You know, Nicholas, uh, last week, he was sharing about uh, King David and about how David was somebody that inquired of God. Any situation that he went through, he was very deliberate to ask God, God, what should I do? And one of the things that you bring the encouragement when you're going through a situation, 
is when you look within God's word and you look at characters in the Bible who have been through different similar things and how they responded to situations that they've been through. And I want to do a similar thing and I want to share um, with regards to um, a character in the Bible, Elijah, Elijah the prophet. James chapter 5.17 says, Elijah was a human as we are. Now, the reason why Bible, the, uh, James mentioned that Elijah was a human just as we are, because Elijah produced so many wonderful results. He was known as a prophet of signs and wonders. Elijah produced so many miracles in different situations, but yet he was a human just like us. He suffered anxiety and depression, challenges, etc., just like us. But see, there was a time in the Bible, and we're going to look into it in, in a minute, where Elijah was so down, he felt so anxious about a situation that he wanted to end it all. He wanted the Lord to take his life. That's how down he was. And the interesting thing is that the way he felt then happened at, at, after a, a major victory that he actually went through. So he, he received a victory, but yet after that victory, he felt down, he felt depressed. And at times we forget that even when we are successful in something, the enemy can always try to bring something to bring, to bring us down or to challenge us emotionally. So a few things from Elijah's experience I want to mention. Number one, tiredness or exhaustion made Elijah lose perspective. Elijah went through a, a season where he was tired. He was emotionally tired. He was also physically tired and exhausted. The Bible said that he had just defeated a large number of false prophets. If you look at 1 Kings 18 and 19, the Lord was using Elijah to minister and to show the truth of God's power. But there were false prophets around at that time who were doing things that were contrary to the word of God. And God was using Elijah to bring victory in, in that situation. So let's read the scripture, 1 Kings 19. I'm going to read from verse. I'm going to read from verse 1, then I'll skip through to the end. It says, And Ahab, King Ahab, who was king at the time, told Jezebel. Jezebel was the wife of Ahab, the famous Jezebel who does not have a good reputation at all. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as a life of one of them by tomorrow, about this time. And when he saw that he arose and ran for his life and went to Be Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. And this is Elijah now. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life 
for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom, suddenly an angel touched him and said, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked of coals and a jar of water. So he sat and ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back to him a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat again, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank and went in, went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights and went to the mountain of God. I'll skip down to verse 18. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped up his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been zealous for the Lord of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Then the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness to Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria. And also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nishmi, as king over Israel. Then I read from verse 20. Okay, then yet I've seen 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed them. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat, who had plowed he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12. And then Elijah passed by and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And then he goes, then the end he said, Then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Amen. Now notice, so in this portion of scripture, Elijah went through a victory. After the victory, he began, became depressed. He, he, he experienced things that, that were not encouraging to him because he was believing that God, even though he went through the victory, that God would deliver and favor him, but he was discouraged. But the Bible says that in the midst of the discouragement, three things, two suddenly took place. The Bible says as he was going through it, suddenly, he said, the Lord provided for him uh, food, sustenance. In that situation where he thought nothing was happening, God came suddenly and blessed him with food. Then the Bible said another suddenly that the angel of the Lord came and began to minister to him. Now see, there's a significance in that suddenly because sometimes you could be going through things and it seems like you're going through things for a long period of time. Nothing has changed. There's no development, no progression. But then suddenly, the Lord turns up. And when you need, whatever it is that you need, he brings that thing that you need suddenly. That's how the Lord works. See, God doesn't operate by time the way that we think. Because in our minds, we think, God, do this at this time. But as I said before, he is the Alpha and the Omega. God doesn't operate by time. He created time, but he's outside of time. So when it comes to your situation, 
God will produce a suddenly for you and ensure that whatever need that you have, that he will meet that need suddenly. Amen? Remember the woman with the issue of blood? The woman was bleeding for 12 years. It seemed like there was no answer. Imagine bleeding for 12, imagine bleeding even for a whole day consistently. The struggle that that would be. But 12 years of consistent bleeding. It, wasn't, it didn't stop. This was constant bleeding for 12 years. After the first year, I'm sure in her mind, it's like, well, this is, this is my life now. So let me just get used to it. So while she was going through this challenge for that period of time, after 12 years, what happened? She heard Jesus was just in her vicinity. But because of her faith, she said, listen, I never know how, even if I don't get to speak to him, let me at least just touch his clothing because I know how powerful he is. Let me just touch his clothing and I'm sure that if I do that, I'll be healed. So that's what she did. Suddenly, she touched his garment. And what happened? The 12-year issue disappeared. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we serve, my brothers and my sisters. That he will intervene suddenly. You know, the enemy wants to call you to think that your situation is permanent. He wants you to think that there's no hope. That when things happen, that you may come to church and you may smile in people's faces, etc. But when you go home, you know how you feel. You know how the negativity that's there. But God is saying that he suddenly will come to favor you, to bless you. But see, the onus is on you to keep your eyes on the Lord. See, that woman could have just kept her eyes on the situation that she'd been in for 12 years. Her Jesus was coming and thought, you know, what's the point of coming? It's been 12 years. What's, what, why should I bother waste my time going to speak to Jesus when it's been that period of time? Let me just continue with what I've been doing. I see many of us are the same because we get into a routine of things. You know, sometimes I speak to, and this is me, this is just me and my faith. Sometimes I speak to, to some of us that are taking different medications. I'm not saying medication is wrong, but depending on your faith, if you believe that taking a particular medication that the doctors have said that you take for the rest of your life, if you have faith and believe that, that you do not want to be in that medication, then you pray into it and say, Lord, you know what, whatever you can do to allow me to not be in that medication, then go ahead and do it. And I remember I was speaking to somebody about it, and they thought, no, no, because the doctors have said, no, 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 I have to, I have to, I have to keep this medication for the rest of my life. I said, okay, but the doctors have said it, but has God said that to you? So trust God. I'm not saying that you should stop the medication. And those online, please, I'm not saying, if you're on medication, Mecca said you should stop. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is to speak to God. Involve him in what is happening. And there's no reason why he cannot produce a suddenly for you. Where you go to the doctors and the doctor is then telling you that this medication I prescribed for a lifetime, you don't have to take it anymore. Why? Because you trusted him. So we need to look to the Lord and not to ourselves. Amen? The next thing that Elijah, that I want to note regards to him, here, see, Jamie, he likes Elijah, he likes that name. 
<laughs> fear. Fear made Elijah isolate himself. We're going back to fear again. See, the interesting thing about this uh, gentleman, so I'm sorry, I don't want to say Elijah because I want <clears throat> Jamie may come me again. <laughs> when he was going through this battle, he did what many of us do. He went to the wilderness. The wilderness means he went in isolation. He went somewhere where just him and his thoughts. And maybe if God wanted to involve himself, God would come. But he wasn't really kind of thinking about God if you read the scripture. His focus was just on taking himself away and having time to himself. And whilst he was there, what happened? He began to talk negative. He began to focus on his situation to such an extent that he said, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I want you, Lord, to just come and just end it, to take my life. Now, see, I mentioned this before, but my time is going. One of the things that we need to recognize, especially within the context of church, is that we are all here for each other. You'll be surprised at times. When you speak about what you've been through, sometimes you think it's only you until you speak to somebody else and you hear that they're going through something similar that you can relate to. Remember, the Bible said that there's nothing new under the sun. So don't think that your situation is, is so unique that nobody else has been through it. So therefore, I can't speak to anybody else about it. No. Because when you do, God will use that person to come and give you a word, a form of encouragement, pray, or whatever that's needed from that person. Elijah was one of the people in the Bible that, that the Bible references on many occasions because of how prominent he was, because of the things that he did. But yet, this was the same Elijah that was wanted to t end his own life. The same Elijah that was so discouraged that he took himself to the wilderness. The same Elijah that God brought somebody called Elisha to befriend him and help him on his journey. What does that say to us? Had God not brought Elisha to help Elijah, all the things that Elijah did probably wouldn't have any recognition because he needed encouragement from a person and God brought Elisha. My time is up. I want to remind you today, my brothers and sisters, that there are people that God has earmarked to encourage you. There are Elishas that are waiting to come and speak and encourage you. But see, you have to allow God to bring the Elisha in so that Elisha can then encourage you and speak to you. Let's use the example of, of, of Elijah. Don't isolate yourself. It's, I know it's so easy to do that. You know, those of you that are online, it's even easier for you because when you're not here physically, it's easy to just turn on and switch off. But I'm encouraging all of us to not allow ourselves to be pawns for the enemy. Satan will want to isolate you. He want to keep it to yourself. He doesn't want you to speak about how you're feeling. He wants you to position yourself where you just smile, say all the nice things, yeah, I'm okay, blah, blah, blah. But you are suffering in silence. That's what the enemy wants for you. But the Lord wants to deliver you and set you free. I want us to stand before um, I close. I want to pray for you right now. Now listen, you know exactly what's happening. 
You know exactly what's been going on in your life. And where you are believing for the Lord to intervene and to minister to your situation and to bring you that strength and encouragement. Right now, just raise your hand. I want to pray over you. You may be like Elijah. You need an Elijah, an Elisha to come and encourage you. You may need to come out from that wilderness so that the Lord can really minister to you. You may need a suddenly for the Lord to suddenly come and just meet you at your point of need. Whatever your situation is, God will come and will minister to you. But the key is that you open up yourself for God to intervene in the first place. So right now, lift your hands. I just want to pray over you right now. Father, you see the hands of your children that are lifted up. And Father, you know exactly what they are going through. You know exactly their situation. And Father, I pray right now that, Lord, that you will minister specifically and directly into their lives. That you will bring the suddenlies that they need in the name of Jesus. That you will bring, oh God, the Elishas that will come and minister and encourage them. You will bring the angels that will minister to them also. Just as you brought angels to minister and strengthen Elijah. You will bring your ministering angels to them to minister in the heart of the situation. We thank you that, Lord, that none of us are slaves to fear no more. But, Lord, we are slaves instead to you and to your kingdom and to be children of faith. So I pray that you will bless and you will strengthen and you will minister to your children and that you will call them to walk in your victory in the name of Jesus. Father, touch them. Pour your spirit upon them and let all glory be given to you. Father, give you thanks and give you praise. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.